Good morning. Would you take God's word, turn to Philippians chapter 2. That's going to be the core of our text. When you buy certain products, and if you turn the can or object over, there's always a warning label. I feel like I got to put a warning label on my message this morning. It may seem like random chaos. There's sermons within sermons and thoughts that seem unconnected, but I'm here to tell you it's actually planned chaos, okay? There's a point we're going to get to. And the point we want to really get to this morning by taking all this information together is the reality that if you and I want to live a life for Christ in this world, then we must put on the humility of Christ. We must look at how he humbled himself. And in that same likeness, we too have to humble ourselves if we are ever going to get this right. Amen? With that in mind then, I want to pray with you. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you give us ears that are sensitive to hear what your spirit says to us. Um, We love you. We know that you love us, and we thank you for that. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to start with an ancient prayer. Actually, it's not that old. It was written by John Wesley. It's a prayer of humility. So I want you to pray this with me. Let's pray together. We humble ourselves, O Lord of heaven and earth, before your glorious majesty, We acknowledge your eternal power, wisdom, goodness, and truth, and desire to render you most unfeigned thanks for all the benefits which you pour upon us, but above all, for your inestimable love in the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ. We implore your tender mercies in the forgiveness of all our sins whereby we have offended either in thought, word, or deed, we desire to be truly sorry for all our misdoings and utterly to renounce whatsoever is contrary to your will. We desire to devote our whole self, body, soul, and spirit to you. And as you inspire us with these desires, so accompany them always with your grace so that we may every day with our whole hearts give ourselves up to your service. We desire to be so holy and undefiled as our blessed master was, and we trust you will fulfill all the gracious promises which he has made to us. Let them be dearer to us than thousands of gold and silver. Let them be the comfort and joy of our hearts. We ask nothing, but that it may be unto your servants according to his word. Amen. Humility is the kind of people God calls us to be. It's the kind of people our world desperately needs. But let's do a reality check. Let's be honest. We read these worlds, But in our individualistic, narcissistic world, in our heads, we get that we have to be humble. But in our hearts, we totally miss it. 
We read these words in Matthew chapter 23. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We really don't get this. I think sometimes we're more like the Pharisees, the rulers of the church, than we are the outside people. In Luke 15 and 16, here's what it says. The tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began complaining. Then in chapter 16, it says, after Jesus gave his speech and told a story and a parable, it says, the Pharisees heard all these things and they began sneering at him. Imagine Religious leaders of the day making fun of, poking, sneering, complaining about Jesus. And we have this picture in Luke. Those outside were humble and broken. Those inside were entitled and played judge and jury. And I had asked myself this past week, do I listen to Jesus or do I complain? Now, can I meddle for a moment? And this meddling is for me as much as it is for you, okay? Tell me, do you listen to Jesus or do you complain? I'm going to give you two names and tell me what you do. Donald Trump. You laugh. <laughs> I heard some boos. Hillary Clinton. Are you complaining? Or are you listening to Jesus? What does Jesus say we do for our leaders? He says we're to pray for them. You don't have to agree with them. You don't even have to like them. You do have to love them. Jesus says love our enemies. But when we listen to Jesus, he says, listen, get down on your knees and pray. If you're going to be humble, you will pray. If I can even meddle a little more, I think sometimes we talk about politicians more than we do about Jesus to people. Remember the last phrase of the song that Ryan introduced? While we're waiting here, we should share all this treasure of Jesus to the world. But let's be honest. We have become a nation of whiners. That is not what we are called to be in Christ. We just spent the last several months talking about how we are a people of hope in 1 Peter. We are not a hopeless people. But in our world, every single day, people whine about microaggressions. That's the new phrase. Tiny acts that might offend someone in the slightest way. And of course, our solutions are what they call macro solutions. The old phrase, we make mountains out of molehills. That's exactly what we're doing today. But it's interesting how we got here. A well-known philosopher made this description. He described five things that will lead people to become hypersensitive and easily offended. Here they are. Number one, he says, treat your children as equals and fear them. Did you read in the paper this past week where high school students, actually some middle school students, they got suspended by the principal and they went and burned his house down? With them in it. They were lucky to get out. Number two, teachers, flatter your students. 
Number three, elders and youth dress and act like each other. Four, make laws that equalize everything. And five, equalize all differences between men and women. This philosopher was Plato. This was written in four, well, he he lived between 428 and 348 BC, before Christ. He wrote a book called The Republic. His well-known teacher was Socrates. And his well-known student was Aristotle. And you understand that as a nation, we're a republic, right? We're not a democracy. We're not supposed to be a dictatorship. And if you don't believe me, how many times have you done Pledge of Allegiance? And we started by saying what? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the what? Republic for which it stands. One nation under God. So what I want to do this morning is look at the humility of Christ because he's our example. And we see this in the person of Christ. Now, before we get to this text, I need to talk about four basic truths that we have to agree upon and we have to understand. Here they are. First, we recognize that God is more responsible for our achievements than we are. Amen? I know sometimes we don't live that way. Sometimes we pat ourselves on the back and say, look what I've done. But we have to understand that according to Scripture, God is more responsible for our achievements than we are. Number two, we are given our abilities, time, and opportunities. They are all gifts from God. Number three, everything is a gift from God. And number four, we will have to give an account to God. Those are four indisputable facts that if we're going to look at humility, and especially the humility of Christ, we have to understand up here in our heads, but also in our hearts. But here's us. This is what we do. We do what James talks about in James chapter 4. He says, come now, you say. Today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a town and, and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. I mean, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this and that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So let's go to Philippians chapter 2. The church in Philippi is intention. And you say, why is it intention? Well, because it has people like you and me. We are all sinners saved by grace. We have differences. We have uniqueness. And when you get sinners together, what happens? There's conflict. There's tension. That's normal. So Paul says, in the midst of this, the key to unity is that we focus on the same thing. Look at the first four verses. If there's any encouragement in Christ if any comfort from love, if any participation in the Spirit, if any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. So, Paul says, if we're going to avoid unhealthy tension, we need humility. 
Humility requires us that we focus on the same love. And focusing on the same love means we refrain from manipulation or self-serving actions. We are serving each other selflessly, and that is not easy to do. Now, with that in mind, let's look at Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. Because he says, have this mind or attitude, however you want to translate it. It means that we put this lifestyle on among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It means this is possible. We can do this through taking in God's word, through living through his Holy Spirit, we can live like Christ lived. He goes on to say this, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. It simply means he, he let go of his God stuff by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself. You know, John tells us there's three things that helped Christ assume the role of a humble servant. It's found in verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he knew where he had come from. He knew that all things were given to him, and he knew where his final destiny would lead him. He understood his true identity. He understood his true dignity, and he understood his true significance. And if we are going to be humble servants in the eyes of God, we have to understand where we come from, that all things are given to us, and where our final destiny will lead us. We have to accept what Scripture says, that we are pilgrims and strangers and aliens in this world. We have to accept that we're going to long for something that our world nor anyone else can provide. It can only be found in Jesus Christ. And if you look to the world or someone else, To fulfill it, if you look to a spouse or a friend, if you look to your children or to a parent, they will let you down every single time. We can only be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Amen? But that's hard for us to get because we are always looking elsewhere rather than at the core person and reality. But Christ humbled himself and he served. The disciples one day were doing what we all do. (laughs) They were arguing. They were arguing over minutia facts. They were being offended. They were doing their own version of microaggressions. Two of them even have mom come in and help. Imagine that. Grown men bringing mom into the picture. What were they fighting over? Position and power. Who was going to sit at the right and who was going to sit at the left? And they were doing this while Jesus literally was going down washing their feet. But listen to what Jesus says after he washes their feet, after he hears them bickering about who's left and right, after mom's in the argument. In Mark chapter 10, verse 41, and when the 10 heard it, they they began to be indignant at James and John. Why? Because 
they themselves wanted the positions and were afraid to ask. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. He just illustrated that by washing your feet. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Now, that is a backdrop in our passage. There's three things we learn about humility. The first is serving. If we are going to be humble, we have to serve. Richard Foster writes in the celebration of discipline, more than any other single way, the grace of humility is worked in our lives through the discipline of serving. In this passage, he let go of his God stuff. He served the greater good, which is you and I, because sin demanded a payment. We celebrated that in communion this morning. And in John 3.16, we understand that God so loved the world. In John 3.17, it says he did not come to condemn us, which he had full authority and right to do. But rather, he came to make a way out of our sin. And let's talk about sin for a moment. Pastor Marv said that part of communion is that we inspect ourselves. And you know, it's so easy to list sins that we're not part of. And there are some sins that we avoid confessing. But sin exposes our pride. I heard this past week from a Catholic friend that they say in the confessional with the Roman Catholic Church, the two sins they don't hear about are jealousy and envy. You know what that is? It's someone else has what I want and or what I think I deserve more than them. That's what envy and jealousy is. And pride causes us to get all offended and snarky. You know what snarky is? Snarky is the sneering. That's a good, I don't know if it's a good Pennsylvania Dutch term or not, but snarky's not good. But understand, Jesus came to serve. If we are going to humble ourselves, then we yield ourselves to service. Number two, he obeyed. And the scripture tells us he obeyed to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Now, think for a moment how we impose our will on God. Now, you say, you don't do that. But yeah, we do this all the time. Here's how it goes in my life. God, here's the way it ought to be. And because it makes sense to me, and because I'm at the center of my universe, and I'm the standard by which everyone else should be held to, this is the way you should do it. <laughs> Sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it? But it's how we live, isn't it? Now, I'm going to meddle again. I'm going to talk about one of our key idols in America. And think about how we literally impose our will on God with this. Money. Now, remember the passage I talked about in Luke where the Pharisees were sneering at him? I left the phrase out. Here's what it says. The Pharisees who were lovers of money. And the Pharisees did this. They said, listen, God, we, we fast, we pray. 
We make our sacrifices. We even dress really well. I mean, look how humble and holy we are. Everybody, when we walk into town, knows that we are the holiest, humble people. So don't tell me what I should do with my money. That's exactly how they lived. That's why when the rich young ruler came and Jesus says, listen, here's what I want you to do. He walked away sad. Because money and the love of money had gripped his heart. Malachi chapter 3 verse 8, he told this to Israel long before Christ showed up. Well, man robbed God, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? Now, of course, when we oppose our will on God, we do so with each other. (laughs) If we're telling God how it ought to be done, then we do so. And it's another version of my way is the best way. And pride, we grow so impatient with people who do it differently. Now, the third aspect, humility requires that we serve Humility requires that we obey God. And three, humility requires us that we do things according to God's timing. I think about the timeline for Christ, and he submitted himself to that, coming in the form of a baby and 33 years dying on the death of a cross and rising again. But think about that, 33 years. And I ask myself questions like this. If this was his mission, why not get right to it? Why wait 33 years? Or why not stay longer? Think about all the good that he could have done. Think about his message, his witness. Think about all the people we've healed and he fed. I mean, why not keep him around for a long time? Do as much good as he could here. But he subjected himself to God's timing. Now, I've already said this, but we are an impatient people, aren't we? And we don't like waiting. We want it now, and we want it our way. And what our culture teaches us is that we deserve and we are entitled. Because if we don't get what we want right now, we just go find it somewhere else, right? And we see this massive shift today in our culture. And this is not the way we are to be, but we see this massive shift in loyalty, We see it in our jobs on both ends, both employers and employees. We see it in products. We see it in marriages. And we see it in our churches. And it's sad because we see it with people with Christ. Because if Christ doesn't deliver what they think he should deliver, they just kind of opt for another version, a cafeteria version of Jesus Christ. They pick and choose what they want. It's hard for us to wait on the Lord. It's even harder for us to obey while we wait It's even harder for us to serve those who do not deserve our service. So as a backdrop to what we're going to be doing the next three weeks, remember three things that help us humble ourselves. We live a life of service. We live a life of obedience. And we submit to God's timing. That's another way of saying we submit to his agenda. Now, there's one thing that fascinates me in Scripture. Actually, there's a lot of things, but this, when I was doing the study this past week, I came across this passage. And I got this particular dislike of pictures of Jesus because there's no physical description of him in Scripture. 
but we put up our kind of white American version, and I'm like, you know, I just don't like looking at an image that really isn't him. While there's no physical description of Jesus in Scripture, there's one place he tells us about his character. I'm going to read that for you. Matthew 11, verses 28 and 30. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. That word lowly is the word humble. Same word that we talk about here where it says he humbled himself. That's a description of his own character. He says, I am humble. Now, you understand that if we say that about ourselves, about the time we say it, we lose it. Christ is the only one who can actually say, listen, I'm humble. Follow me. But this is one description of his character. He says, you know, if you are gentle and lowly, you follow him. Look at all the blessing here. He gives us rest. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and your souls will find rest. I'm going to call the worship team up. We're going to close and do a reprise of the song that, that they were teaching us just before the message. But let me close with these questions. Why are you here? And, and I say that sincerely, but realize this too. There are some things that are just really good habits. It's a good habit to worship together. So, If you're here to worship, that's a great thing. Why do you think I'm here? (laughs) What's even more important is, why do I think I'm here? The reason I ask this question, and I ask this question continually of me, is that, am I a cultural Christian? Do I take the mood of our culture and dress it up in religious clothes and language? And do I take everything out there, and I fit in, and I just look religious? And I add Jesus to the language. Or am I a follower of Jesus? Now, the one takes a long time to learn. And man, you got to change your clothes. You got to change your language because culture is constantly shifting. The other requires humility. You will never be a dedicated follower of Jesus without humility. Another way of asking the question is, whose expectations do I listen to? So if we're going to navigate this world and do it successfully, it requires the humility of Christ. Let me pray for you. Father God, we appreciate your example. I openly admit sometimes it just frustrates me because I think about how can I ever get there. But you know that we are sinners who walk by your grace. And if we learn to live by John the Baptist's short prayer, you must increase, I must decrease, it would just resolve a lot of issues in our life. So help us, Lord, have the character of humility this week in all our circumstances. May we serve, may we obey, may we be patient with your agenda and timing. May we walk humbly with you, because you alone are our God. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.